When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, it's another edition of the Lou Nanny Podcast with uh, Zol- Zolgad here. And of course, uh, National Hockey League trading deadline day is Monday. Louis the Wild has now lost 8-9 of nine after they lost 4 uh, nothing to the Anaheim Ducks last night. What is your uh, gut feeling or best guess about what takes place here over the next uh, few days? They still have three games left, but clearly things are uh, things are beginning to show themselves. I would say, yeah, as far as trades go, mm-hmm. will they make a trade? I think they'll make a trade unless all of a sudden they go on a three-game winning streak. Uh, I think you know there's a good chance when New York's playing that they're gonna they're gonna lose in New York, and and. Uh, <laughs> If I was a betting man, believe it or not, I think that the guy's going to get traded, which I'm really worried about because I like him as a player, but I think it's going to be Granlin. Really? Okay. Yep, and I think if there's a second guy, it'll be Coyle. Okay. Because they can get you the most, and they're easily, you know, being the most marketable, the uh, the most attractive on the open market where they can really make a difference on some teams that are looking to get them. So on Grandland, um, t- t- uh, tell me this internally: what's the thought process on a player like that? Because he clearly has talent, but he's clearly slumping badly. So as you get to the deadline here, are GMs um, still basically high on him f- for this year? That if he gets a change of scenery, a different team, a different line, things can change quickly. He's got the talent. It's like Niederreiter. Mm-hmm. You knew Niederreiter was going to score again, mm-hmm. and Grandland's going to produce again. They're too talented not to. And there's not, uh, you know, too many players that don't go through soft times in the course of their career or even during the course of a year sometime and come back and be streaky. And so, uh, you know, if I'm a general manager, I'm betting on capabilities and talent. And if I'm going to make a deal, I want to make sure I'm getting somebody back that's really talented, really got capabilities. Mm-hmm. And hope that it comes through. You don't know they're going to produce, but... If I'm making a change, I'm going to go for the the best uh, talented player. What is when it comes to Granlund in your mind? What's a good fit uh, for him as far as prospective teams where he might land if he does get traded? I'll tell you one team that's going to be looking at him a lot is Nashville. They want to add, add a centerman, and uh, I, I would say he's going to be one team that uh, would add it. <laughs> you, you would hate you, that, wouldn't you? Huh? I said you you would hate that, wouldn't you? Because he might go there and be pretty good. I don't care where he goes, he's going to be pretty good. This guy's a terrific player. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that's why I said I hate to see it happen, but it's probably going to happen because uh, he'll get you the most in return, but the most coming back in return better produce like he can or capability or better have the – I would say that 
one of the things they're looking for is maybe a first-round pick to, to come with so they get another draft pick that they could build on. Okay. But uh, you're not going to you're not going to get a player <clears throat> in the draft choice. The player coming back that's going to be better than Granite. Okay. You got a draft choice coming too. You can just expect that. It's just not going to happen unless somebody really screws up. And I can't see a team that's fighting for the playoffs that needs this guy screwing up that bet. So if you're Fenton, do you ask for a, a draft pick, a first round pick, or a prospect? Both. There's no way you trade him without both. Okay, but if if you're not going to get a great player back, what's your what's your goal here then? A first round pick. Okay. To start with, and then and then a prospect. You might not get something? a great player. You, sh- you should be getting a good prospect back or a good player. Why Coyle second, Louis? Because Coyle's attractive. Everybody that scouts the game, looks at the game, they see him big, strong, dominating with the puck when he has it along the boards and, and many times some of the good moves. And, and they tend to think when you're doing all that, you got to score more. He's going to eventually score more. They keep thinking about that. Yep. And, and, and it's, it, it's something that if you look at a hockey guy looking at him, he certainly looks enticing. And he is. A, I mean, he's a heck of a player. He's a heck of a talent. He's just not as productive as, as a skill set would lead you to believe he should be. And I, when I say as productive, I mean goal scoring wise, because he does all the other things. He 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 can play in penalty killing situations late in the game, protect the lead, uh, power play situations in front of the net, moving the puck. There's nowhere he can't play and fit in at any time of the game. The only thing is, with all the skill set he's got, you're just boggled by the fact that he's not a regular 25-goal scorer. He needs to shoot more, Lou. Like, oh, like, like we've talked about, a th- they, all do. They, they all they do. They all do. But... Oh. You know, I told, I, told, uh, I told someone, one of the teams, and uh, they said, boy, your grandson likes to shoot. I said, that's something I told him. I, said, I remembered one thing I said. I've never, <laughs> ever, ever... In 50 years of being in hockey, if somebody comes to me and say, we shoot too much, I says, I always hear him say, we don't shoot enough, but I've never heard somebody say, we shoot too much. But Vinny shoots and he scores goals. That's exactly right. And, that's, like, and, the, and the leading goal scorers usually are in the top uh, shooters in the league. You have the most shots on that. So if, if Granlin can possibly get you, let's say, a first-round pick and a prospect, Coyle can get you what, do you think? Coyle should get you a good player back in return. You know, I uh, I would think there's a, a, he could probably get you a prospect and a pretty solid player. Help me in the uh, case of Eric Stahl. Because he, he's got a 10-team no-trade. He's in the last year of his contract. Obviously, w- with the way things are going with this club right now, it would be nice to find a trade partner for him. Uh, but he has slumped badly now since they got back from the break in that, as we've talked about before, that stupid bye week. Uh, Eric Stahl's value, if you can trade him, is what do you think? The high side, and I think it might be high, is a second round pick. Yeah. And but you you for sure can get a third round. <clears throat> but um, in Eric's case, I would I would try and get uh, a draft pick or a real good you know a young prospect that you think might develop uh, maybe still in junior. Mm-hmm. That, that's uh, you know sometimes. You might be able to make a deal for a guy that hasn't shown as much yet. <clears throat> Maybe you have a different valuation of the player than somebody else does, and you might be able to make that deal. 
So is your best guess that that if things go according to plan, about three guys get moved before the deadline on Monday? Yeah, those will be the three guys. Okay. Those will be the three guys because other than that, you're not going to trade the young guys and and uh, you don't have anybody else going to get you anything. How about Zucker? Well, I'll tell you, Zucker would be a very dangerous guy to trade. Mm-hmm. And I say that because we've already seen him score over 30-some goals when he's got... When, I don't know, 16, 17 this year, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to take a, a chance and trade him and and uh, have him go and be really productive again? Because right now, if you trade him, what are you going to? What are you trading him at? At what valuation are you trading him? Right now, you're trading him at a, about a 22 goal scorer. This is the problem, though, Lou. This team is slumping so badly, and players across the the board. That I look at this and I say, unless you, unless a team is just convinced that, that a guy is going to get traded and that's going to snap him out of his funk, I don't think I don't recall seeing a team with this many guys who actually some of them aren't bad players just go in the tank this badly for this long at such an inopportune time. Right, and that's it's that a hell of a problem. thing, and that is the problem, and that's the <laughs> really the the analyzation that the people are going through right now is. Uh, how much can we expect this guy to produce here in the rest of the year or in the future? And what, what's the return we could get if we, we make a deal? Mm-hmm. And, and you got to be, you know, whenever you make a trade, I don't care who you are, you want to get the best player back in the deal. That's how you value a trade. And now it might be different, <clears throat> your, your thoughts on whether you got the better player in the trade or not until things prove out. But the other thing is, and you always want to make sure that your team is better off regardless of what the other guy does. Okay? Sure. And so if if you trade a player and you got somebody coming back in, the guy that came back in has got to be playing better than the guy you let go there. doesn't matter if the other guy's getting 20 goals more somewhere else. If the guy that's playing that you got back there is playing better than the guy you gave up, then you're okay. But if he's not, then you're not okay. In the case of Rask, cl- clearly he's not because he's not playing now. So yeah, that's well, he, he wasn't gonna, he wasn't playing as good anyway. I mean, you, you have to remember, Niederreiter is a quality hockey player. No, I, but I've, I kept saying that on the radio before. I mean, this that was, that was a great deal that Chuck Fletcher made because this guy, it's not only the goal scoring you get enticed because he's always going to score goals. He went through a slump here, but he's back scoring again. He's been a goal scorer his whole history. You look at him in junior. You look at him in world championships. You look at him at with the Wild. You look at him in the first year he was with the Islanders. Mm-hmm. This is not going to change. This guy's a good player. But it's the other things he does, too. He was a pest in front of the net. He's, he, he aggravates. He antagonizes guys the way he plays. And, and he's strong on the board. So it's not like is a good player. The only guy I think that I, if I'm, I'm Fenton, I hang up the phone if his name comes up as Spurgeon. What do you think? Yeah, you're not going to get, you're not going to get, you're not going to get enough back for him nope. in the short term. Now you might get enough back for him long term if you're willing to bite the bullet, and that's a decision they got to make. And say, okay, I'm going to give this guy up. It's really going to affect me for the next two, three years. But after three years, I'm really going to be in a, a, a driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to make those kind of deals, then you make those kind of deals. Help me out but here. Yeah, Spurgeon in the short run, you're not going to prove your team by trading him for a year or two. 
So what do you think, um, ha- having been in the chair before, what do you think Fenton's thought process is at this point too, Lou? Because the Western Conference is so weird and where the Wild is is so bad right now as far as teams can't jump them but should be and they can't get points. If you're Fenton and you're in your first year here and so there's there's really not that inherent pressure that, that there will be to win eventually, are you thinking to yourself th- this is your opportunity to bail and, as you've talked about before, get draft picks, get opportunities? This is the time... This is the best time for him <laughs> to get some valuation for guys that are really good players that are still going to be good for the next couple of years, but will bring you opportunities to get prospects and uh, draft choices for the future if you're willing to make that move. So when, when he comes out last night uh, before the game against the Ducks and talks to reporters and talks about the fact that he is still in wait and see and there's what at that time four games left, blah, blah, blah. Is that a strategy trying to tell other GMs that he simply won't give his players away? Do you think? No, that's what you got to tell. You can't. You can't telegraph what you want to do uh, to everybody in the public, you, and, and especially to the players. You got. You got to be showing players belief that you, you're going to stick with them, and they got to make the playoffs. You, sure. You know, you're not going to yeah. tell the agents, and you're not going to tell the players what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. You're gonna. You're gonna. Be making calls and, and testing the waters continually all day long, and depending what you hear in the return, is what you might do as far as say, okay, this is too good to pass up. Might hurt us this year, and might even hurt us next year. But after that, we're going to be in a better position. Because Lou, in in my mind, there's no way that he is is realistically Paul sitting at, at his desk and th- and thinking to himself, yeah, man, if we beat if we beat the Ducks tonight and the Rangers on Thursday, I'm I'm back in, right? Uh, well, I mean, that makes no sense. Even if he is, it doesn't matter because, honestly speaking, if it wasn't good enough to make the playoffs the last six years, that they got to go farther. You know, I, I love the. I want the Wild to be the best. That's why I'm telling you what I'm. I'm saying is, they're not going any. They're not going to win a Stanley Cup with this team. No, they just they definitely are not going to win it. We're in agreement on that. There's too many holes. So then, now you make the decision. How am I going to improve this team uh-huh. for a long time? You got free agency in the summer, which you're somewhat strapped by your cap situation by the contracts you, you, you've got to honor for the next year plus going forward. So the next thing is you got to get draft choices and prospects. So the way that I, I potentially see this too, back to your point about next year possibly not being great, is if I'm not mistaken, um, Kaprasov can come over here for the first time in what would be 2020-21, correct? Right. Okay. So would it make sense for Fenton to make trades right now, basically bail out of this nebulous playoff spot that, you know, comes and goes, bail out there and and start a plan where if you're not good next year, that's absolutely fine. And so you, you begin to, you're, you're not there yet, but you begin to potentially, if Kaprasov comes here, ascend in 2020-21? Definitely, because you have to remember, you're going to have to do it eventually, and if you give up another year of holding on to some of these guys that you're going to eventually trade, their trade value in all probability is going to be less because they're older. Yep. And they're not going to produce much more because you've still got the same players you got now. So the, they're, in essence, their trade value is highest right now at the deadline than it's going to be. 
So it, it's higher right now, you, you think, prop than uh, June or July, than draft yeah, time. Yeah, there's going to okay. be so many more free, free agents on the market sure, okay. that guys don't have to trade for that if they can sign. Okay. They don't have to give up draft choices and prospects. So right now, if, if somebody really covets a Granlin, a Coil, a Sucker, a Spurgeon, which are your, your highest trade uh, assets, you know, then then you, uh, you you do it now if you're going to eventually do it. So if you've got a plan here, Louis, and and it starts with, with uh, potentially, although you don't necessarily want to do this, but it starts with the willingness to trade Granlin, Stahl, and Coyle. Uh, as we get to draft time then, are there other guys that you would earmark to move at that point from this current roster? It's not that I wouldn't. There's nobody I wouldn't move. It's just who's got the value and who's. Got I got to you right. But I'm I'm just saying let's let's say that those three three guys on Monday get you something and and it's a good return and you take mm-hmm. it. Then as we get into the spring and summer, do you have another list of guys you you talked about potentially at that time? It might be an offer for a Spurgeon. Is there another group of guys then who you think at that time? you could uh, potentially move as you continue to retool this thing. Yeah, I, I but I I don't think you're going to get the kind of value. I wouldn't take a chance on moving a Greenway because I don't think you're going to get more than Greenway back. But you could sure. move an Erickson Eck. You could move a, a Kunin. You, you, you know, you you got to remember, you can't move Precinct Suter, so take them out of it. Yeah, and Koivu right now, right? And Koivu you can't move either because of his agent contract and no trade. You yep. take him out of it. Yep. Other than that, you, you trade anybody. Okay, fair there, enough. There, there's yeah. nobody that's sacred to this team. It's something like the Rangers said last year they're going to do. They said, you know, we got good players, but we're not going to win the cup with this team. So we're going to start rebuilding, and we're going to try and accelerate the rebuilding by giving up some of the guys. And and even though, I, I mean, when you watch the Rangers play tomorrow night, they're going to play hard against the, the Wild. And they got some really good players. Let me tell you, Kevin Hayes, is a good player. Zuccarello is a good player. Hayes is, you know, a lot younger than Zuccarello, but right now they can they can really really help some teams that are, are going for the Stanley Cup. Now teams are are you know just really wanting to get these guys, but they're trying to resolve in their mind what do I pay because are they going to be rentals? Now they might make a deal with the Rangers and say let me talk to the agent if I can sign them and I'll pay you more. And they'll do it because those two guys are going to command good contracts, but they're good players. But the Rangers are playing hard. They got about the same points as the Wild, and they're in a rebuild. And they started last year. So it doesn't mean that guys you got back can't play hard and, and be competitive. It means are you going to, it's telling you, are you going to be able to win the championship? No. You might even make the playoffs. The Rangers are not going to make the playoffs. They're. they're fooling themselves right now if they think they are eight, ten points out of a playoff position with three teams to jump over. Right. Yeah, you're not going to make it. And remember I told you last year, when you get to the end of February, you don't make up five points, let alone ten points. Right. Especially when you got three other teams in front of you. So, but but they're they're competitive and they're entertaining, and that's what the Wild has got to say. Can we do the same thing? Can we be competitive and entertaining while we're rebuilding? And and because eventually, it doesn't matter who the player is, their career is going to be over. So you always want to give your fans an entertaining and competitive team but while you're striving for the championship. 
and you got to try and find how can I get to the championship? It's so tough to get there, right? You know, and and there's so much. There's 32 teams want it. Let's see what happens. Lou, in in retrospect now, too, what's your thought about what the Rangers did a year ago by sent by basically admitting to their plan? Because I've I found that really intriguing. And at first, people said you're crazy. You can't admit that. But the more I think about it, if the Wild would, if they're going to make moves, you fess up and say, "Here's the plan." Do, do well, you like that? I, you're not fooling anybody. I know if, that's if you, right. If you, if you don't tell them and still try and do it, and that's my point. But I mean, <laughs> so at first, I well, you might as well yes. tell the people what you're thinking. Yeah, and, and 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 all they're saying is be patient with us, be understanding, but. We want the best for you, and this is the way we figure we can be the best. You're not going to be happy. And a while that had, I mean, the Rangers, I think, had about five years running the playoffs. They even got to the conference finals two, three times. Mm-hmm. And yet they realized that we're not going any further than that if we even get that farther anymore. So we might as well make a decision. And they made the decision. They telegraphed it out to the fans, and then they've been pursuing it ever since. And the people have bought into it. They know, and the people are saying, while they're competitive, they're winning games. Geez, they're screwing themselves in a draft choice. They shouldn't play so good. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. that's what you're getting if you read your papers, right? Yes, yes. And you know what, Lou? I will say this. I don't know what the hell the Blackhawks are doing because we talked about this months ago. I love the Blackhawks plan. Get really, get really bad for a year, but now all of those teams, I mean, hell, St. Louis is phenomenal right now, but the Blackhawks have come up, and they're, what, a point back, I think, of that eighth and eighth playoff spot that the Wilds hit. Well, the Blackhawks have made some good moves that nobody's even looking at. I, I, I've talked to people from the Blackhawks. I want to tell you, Strom was a steal. This kid was picked, what, fourth overall in the draft? Yes. Strom and DeBrinket played with Connor McDavid when the Erie won. They were just tremendous. And so DeBrinket and Strom are playing together. They got great chemistry. And what that freed them up to do is put Taves and Kane together, which they've never been together. They've been together like, like five games now. Yep. And, and that gave them much more potential to score goals up front. Well, and they moved in a couple of young defensemen. They made a couple of moves, and then they got the, I can't even pronounce his name, played in North Dakota, Kurjula, you know, they came from Edmonton. Yes. And he was a, another piece of the puzzle that they're really excited about. Arizona feeds them players, I swear to God. You know, Arizona's made a ton of good moves, and that's the one bad move they made was given. I mean, they got Schmaltz back, and Schmaltz is out for the year with yeah. a knee operation, but Strom and Perlini together, uh, even though Perlini's on the fourth line there, he's not playing as much in Chicago, but they have uh, really been a, a good addition, and, and in Chicago's mind, been one of the reasons why they, they've had this ascent lately. Arizona, watch out! Look at them. They keep coming on. They got some young players. I know they do, and and they're coming on. So, which of these West teams that that are creeping up now do you like it the most? Chicago. Yeah, I think Chicago has made the biggest change because uh, Kane is trying to beat uh, Kucherov for the scoring title, so he's not going to stop. He he's obsessed right now, and he's playing tremendous hockey. Mm-hmm. They're getting better goaltending than you would have thought from their their backup goaltenders. And and the, the balance they got up front was, is much better than they've had for two years now up there. In St. Louis, answer me this, because I think we talked about this when the year started, because the expectation at that time was that the Blues were going to be good. They got off to that god-awful start. I believe I heard something this morning, January 30th, that they were last in the entire league in points, Lou. the I think we talked about this, though. The Jake well, Allen factor. 
And, and I think we all said, I think you said this too, you know, it doesn't, you, you weren't sure about him. And sure enough, when they call up this Bennington kid who's been fantastic and Allen can sort of settle into a backup role where he still plays, they're really good. Why do you, why do you think they misjudged that so badly? I don't know, but I know going into the season, we, we did say that <clears throat> St. Louis is one of the most improved teams in the league, especially getting rid of O'Reilly and, and and the additions they made to the team, and then they they played like they were terrible, and that's because their goaltending was terrible. Right. And I don't know where Bennington came from, but he's certainly been an unbelievable difference. And this team is a, it's a quality team. They got size, speed, scoring, depth, and and uh, they can play any way you want to play it. And and so now they're starting to hit their stride, and they are a real good hockey team. They're a team that you know we 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 thought could win the West. It, but definitely, uh, you know, in the top three, and, and now they're playing like that. The incredible thing, and, and this guy's so much fun to watch when he's engaged is Tarasenko. Oh, my God. Is he a good player or what? And he, he can score goals. and He is, but he drives he me crazy. But he'll drive you crazy when he's not engaged. Yeah. Because there's so much talent there. I mean, he's got so much God-given talent, and if he uses it, he's phenomenal. And what's funny, Judd, is just uh, two weeks ago they were talking about uh, people are speculating. Well, it's time to trade Tarasenko. He'll bring a lot of the trade <laughs> That's what happens when guys go into slumps and they're good players. People think, "Oh, they're gone down. They're not coming back." Why well, you take a heck of a chance when you give up a good player and he's still got a lot of hockey left in his body? Yeah, that's true. And their sport is so weird too because you do get guys who will have a great month and then an okay month and then a bad month and then a great month and and it's hard not to get upset about it. You know. That's right. And, but the and, patience. Uh, and the, when you've had a guy and you've seen the best and you don't see it anymore, it gets frustrating right away. You, you try and put your finger on him, but it's, it's tough to judge. And then you start to question, is it going to come back or is it not going to come back? Has he reached the peak? Yep. And that's that's what makes it a real tricky situation, but that's what's fun about it when you're making changes. You know, if you're a general manager, you want to trade guys right before they start going down from their crest. Yeah, like Eric Stahl. <laughs> yeah, and and what you want to do, unless at least what I wanted to do, unless I want to keep somebody in the organization, I never wanted anybody in their last contract, which meant, you know, you, you want to get something back for the value because if you have him on the last contract, that means he's gone and you get zero back. Mm-hmm. And when you have an asset, you always want to get something back for that asset. So now, did I would guess the answer here is yes, Lou, but did, did you enjoy the uh, week that led up to the deadline, and how much easier and freedom was there back in, in the day when you didn't have to worry about things like salary cap constraints and all that stuff? Uh, this was, trading for me was the, the most fun. Uh, not that I wanted to, you know, I don't like people. I, I love people. I, I, I just, it's like an adrenaline rush. I, I enjoyed the the uh, mystique of of having to trade people get people back you know try and build and 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 we had the good fortune of not having to worry about salary caps you still have to worry about salaries you don't want to right whether we didn't have a cap or not we don't we don't want to all of a sudden get a, a player who makes a lot of money and he's a dog so mm-hmm. you worried about that but you you don't have the constraint of having to fit it under a salary cap and then we also, you know, uh, we, we also were fortunate in the fact that if you made a mistake back in, in those days, 
you know, might be a $250,000 mistake. You make a mistake now, it could be a $7 million mistake. <laughs> and, a, and that's the point. difference. And maybe that's why we had more freedom. At least I always had the freedom. I had, I had dinner with Gordon Gunn on Monday night, and we were discussing all these different things. Uh-huh. And he said, the thing that I said, I said, you know, Gordon, I, I want to tell you, we've been friends for a thousand years. It was a, a joy working for you. And the reason why it was a joy working for you, because I never had to worry that if I had an opportunity to improve the team, that I had to call you first. Because, you know, somebody might get buyer's remorse or seller's remorse, and before you know it, kill the deal. You, you, know, you want to strike when the iron's hot. And, and it wasn't like I ever had you call and tell me, do this, do that, do this. You, you paid me to do a job, and you expect me to do it. And that's what happened. And he says, Louis, I'm a businessman, and I make my decisions in business. And I look around, and I see sports people that uh, are owned by people who are very successful in business, but they forget that, and all of a sudden they think they they know how to run a sports team. Yep. Or And they, they don't know much about the sport, and that's where they make the biggest mistakes. That's absolutely true. Yep. And that, I said, you see that all I, the I time. I can tell you that. I've seen that over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, guys that, uh, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure it's fun, and you pay millions of dollars, but yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest trade, Louis, that, that you made at the deadline? Oh, I, I can't remember. I, you know, I made over 100 trades. I can't remember who I <laughs> traded when. So. Did you trade Dino at the deadline? I have never, I never ever traded Dino. Okay, so that was Jack who traded him. I think Jack that was, a de- I yeah. want to say that was a March, because de- didn't the deadline used to be day, in the March? It was a deadline. It was at the deadline. I was in the room, and I can tell you this, I remember. <laughs> you probably weren't happy. Because, yep. no, 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 I, I was president at the time, and, and, and Paget and, and Farrar were talking, and, and they had uh, Dino and Rouse going for Murphy and, and Gartner. Yes. And and uh, they're both talking back and forth whether and they, there was five minutes to go, and then and I think Jack said, "Well, you know, I don't know if their contract is you know going to fit in." I said, "Look, you guys do whatever you want. You're the boss of the hockey team. You run the team the way you want. I oversee the budget. I will tell you this from the budget: don't let money stand in the way if you think it's a good deal for the team. That's you know don't use sure, that sure. as back. You you make whatever deal you want or not make it." But don't afterwards say we didn't do this because of the budget. Because I will support whatever move you guys want to make. And he got Gardner here, and Gardner was not here that long. Correct? I right. seem to recall and, him being moved pretty quickly again. Yeah, I think it was to New York after that. Okay. And, and uh, Murphy was moved too after. Hey, Louis, how much do you think? Um, because this seems to me to happen. How much do you think the deadline and the approach of it affects guys? Oh, it affects players. You. You know, it's almost like uh, like somebody getting a lifeline or, or thinking they're going to get a lifeline at that time. They think that this is my last chance to make a difference on my team for this year. It's gonna and it's gonna be substantial. If I don't do this, I'm really you know I'm missing out on this, this, and this. And it it heightens the uh, the willingness of people to make a trade because they they realize that after this they got no other way to improve their team except from within. Mm-hmm. And so uh, desperation fuels more activity, I think. I, I just go back to Stahl because I know he's not a young guy, right? Mm-hmm. But, my gosh, something's wrong there. 
Like this, well, like the drop off is so is so big right now for him. It just seems like something is weighing on his mind, or or, or he's hurt and we don't know it. Well, you know, sometimes it's the the pressure of of trying to produce the way you did in the past. You're you're older; it doesn't come as easy. And 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 uh, really, what what's the injury to Koivu, uh, even more pressure is put on installed to do more things. And, and you know, everybody, your teammates, if you collectively, if they're not playing as well and they're not helping you as much or getting you the puck in positions you got it before to score goals, it's a combination of things. And, and not that it's not that he, he uh, doesn't have any input into his, his output, but, uh, it's not just him alone that's, you know, affecting the way he's, he, he's performing and producing. I, I think he's still working hard. It hasn't been as productive, uh, obviously. Right. But he's uh, he's still in the position where if I'm a team at the deadline looking to add somebody and the price is right, but I wouldn't mind taking a chance on what he could do with him not being the main cog on the team. Sure. With him being... Say uh, a third line center to, you know, give me an opportunity to still match lines, produce, and and put him in situations where I don't require as much from him as the Wild are expecting right now. Last thing, sir, give me a uh, a significant name or two from around the league who you expect to be uh, dealt by Monday. I expect Duchesne, Hayes, Zuccarello uh, to all be dealt. Um, um, I think Granlund's going to be dealt, okay. and and I think those four are, are some of the guys that I, I I see going. Do you think Stone gets dealt by the Senators, no, or do you I think, think he he's signs? Be resigned. Okay. I can't believe that they're going to let them both go. I mean, then you're really throwing in the towel. Melnick's an unusual cat. Well, it's not Melnick so much. I think right there, it, it might be him. I think right there, the general manager would have to try and say, look, I can't do that. I, I can't give everybody up. He's, the general manager's got to try and save Stone. Okay. And and uh, another guy you might see, I think, I, I would not be surprised if uh, Bob Roski went to Florida. Interesting. Although their goaltending is playing a little better right now, but uh, next year I would expect you're going to see Bob Roski in Florida. Do you think Panarin uh, gets dealt? Panarin, uh, I can't see him getting dealt uh, unless they're getting, you know, a lot back and Panarin right now, if you were to say, where do you think he's going to end up next year? I'd say either in New York or Florida. Okay. And so if they give one of those teams an opportunity to sign him to a contract next year, or now, as soon as he got traded, you know, for the years going on, Mm -hmm. then you could see him dealt. Otherwise, uh, Columbus, I don't know if they want to just give up on, on the season, you know. Sure. They they got to still make the playoffs. Torch do, Torch does not. I can tell you that. No, he doesn't. But they're still in a position where they got to fight for a playoff position, mm-hmm. and they want to. And they might think that this year, if they do get in, anything could happen. So, so they can't because they're a good team. You know, you never know where they're going to perform. Last year, remember they had Washington dead, done, and gone. Yeah. And then Washington came back in the last three games, beat them, and then what happens? Washington wins the cup. So. Yeah, crazy. So if, if uh, Panarin goes east, you're saying to the Rangers, is that correct? 
Well, not at the trade deadline. He won't go to trade deadline. No, but I'm saying after the season, after if, if he goes the east, or, okay. or the Islanders. Okay. Do Do you see the Kings uh, potentially making a big deal since they're dead or they no, look dead? No, I don't. I, you know, they unless they want to eat some of Kovalchuk's contract and they and the and then the Islanders take it because uh, he played for Louis before Lamarillo. Sure, with the and, Devils, yeah, and and uh, might, but I I, uh, I I I can't see. Them doing very much. All right, sir. Thank you much. Okay, nice to talk, talk to you, to you next week, care. Louis. Take care. Thanks. All right, bye bye.